Welcome to the Jess Larson Show on Innovation and Leadership. Uh, really excited for this episode to have Angela Johnson. Angela, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. So exciting career, uh, as far as I can tell. Super successful stand-up comedian, actress. Uh, you're doing the commercials. Uh, you got to spend your time with the Raiders. Uh, I'm interested how you introduce yourself. Um, usually I just, uh, it depends if I'm on a plane and you know, you're sitting next to somebody and they're like, what do you do? I usually say the thing that will, um, require the least amount of questions. And, and if it's like, you know, on a plane, then I'm like, oh, I'm in the entertainment industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll leave it at that. But the second I say, oh, I'm a comedian that just gets people asking all the questions. Cause they look at me and they go, wait, what? You're a comedian. Hold on. Oh my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. Have I seen you on things? Wherever and all of that kind of stuff. So it depends. If I feel like talking to people, then I'll I'll give them the truth and I'll say, oh, I'm an actress and a comedian. For for people who aren't familiar, can we talk about like some of the greatest hits? Like some of the, actually, I want to frame it a different way. What do you feel like are some of your favorite career accomplishments already, whether they're the biggest hit or not? Right. Thank you. Um. Let's see. I had no idea I was going to be a stand-up comedian. So the fact that I am a headliner, I'm touring the world, that in itself is incredible to me. And I've, uh, I just finished filming my sixth one-hour special, which is incredible. Um, so those are big accomplishments to me. Um, definitely, like, career milestones things that popped off for me like these viral videos that popped off for me that i had no idea we're gonna do what they did on the internet but um you know the nail salon video popping off and then joining mad tv and then the bon quickly video popping off on youtube and um those were definitely pivotal moments for me in my career that i look back on and i know that i would not be where i am today had those things not happened um and that I'm very grateful for. So um, that and like touring the world, being able to bring people joy and laughter as part of my job, like my job is is to be medicine for people. That's incredible to me. So those are some of my highlights. Well, and uh, I think your TED Talk has like 3 million views as well, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't checked it lately. For people who may not be familiar, let, let's go through a couple of these things. So uh the nail salon stand-up bit. I mean, between all the people who've like pirated and have reposted, I mean, it's got kind of like 80 million views or 100 million views or something, right? Yeah, it's it's well over 100 million views with all the different times it's been reposted by people and animated by people. And uh, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and for anybody who didn't catch the joke, it's it's so good where Angela goes through and, and talks about the experience of, of going to a uh, nail salon and um i i think i'm sure you've been complimented on this before but like so i'm like grew up in like farm town western canada okay but i married a california girl who grew up like in like really really rough area of town like um all sorts of of really sad things but like i mean like the kind of like apartment complexes where everybody's on welfare they got their rottweiler stolen at gunpoint and like I married oh. into this very different family kind of yeah, yeah. kind of thing, right? And so we lived in Southern California for about eight years. And like I don't think people are really getting the effects. So everybody needs to go to YouTube and start watching Angela's stuff if you don't know already. But like your like your accent, like your your inflections and your accents when you're both doing 
uh, your Hispanic characters, as well as the Vietnamese one, are just like, my guess is you would have a gift for languages because your, your timing and your tonality is, is like so superb that I think it catches people so off guard. Do, do, you, do you see it differently than that? Well, first of all, thank you. Um, I grew up in a very diverse area with a lot of different people. And I grew up in San Jose, which it has the biggest Vietnamese population outside of Vietnam. So my best friend growing up was Vietnamese. And so I learned a lot from him and his mom. And they would teach me how to say things and um, teach me about the culture. And so I've always had an ear for accents. So like, I could sing, but not really. Like, I can copy what I hear, but I can't harmonize. You know, like, if you're doing a no, and then you want me to do this no, and then somebody else to do this no, I could never participate in that because I'm just going to sing what I hear. So I'm either going to sound like you or I'm going to sound like you, but don't expect me to sound different because I just, I copy what I hear. So, like, growing up, if I would be in a conversation with someone and they had an accent, I had their accent by the end of the conversation. Like, it was just I started talking how they talk. So, I've always had an ear for accents. And you would think I, I would be able to pick up languages, but I still don't speak Spanish. And I wish I spoke Spanish. I mean, I guess I don't wish hard enough. Otherwise, I would just learn how to do it. But I don't because I don't want to do the work. I just want to wake up one day and there be Spanish in my brain. That's what I want. The Matrix, right? Yeah. Plug me in. Yeah, um, exactly. So um, let's let's talk about Mad TV and Bon Quiqui, and then not just leaving it there and and doubling down. And like your music videos are so funny. Like I rewent through a whole bunch of them yesterday, and I kept looking at the comments at how many people were like, "Wow, I know this is supposed to be a joke, but she's better than so many of the artists on the radio today." And <laughs> And then the like the Warner Brothers getting an album and doing two sold out tours. Can you talk yeah. about that journey? Yeah. So I married a guy who was in music and he had the idea after seeing the success of the Bon Quiqui sketch and how it went viral on YouTube. Um, at the end of that sketch, Bon Quiqui does a little rap on, on the microphone at King Burger and people would quote it at my stand up shows. And they would want me to sing it at my stand-up shows. So my husband, being in music, was like, we should write a song, and an actual song, and do a music video for it. And so we did, and it did really well. And then my husband was like, we need to make an EP. We need to have at least three songs, and then I'm going to take this EP to my record label and try to get you signed. And so that's what he did. And so we did a three-song EP went to the record label, we got signed, we did a full album, we toured as Bon Quiqui, we did two full tours with a live band, backup dancers, huge LED wall, just, you know, confetti cannons, light rigs, like, it was a full musical tour. I had never been a music artist before, this was my first time learning how to do, like, the in-ear monitors, and, you know, dancing and singing with a microphone, and I had never done that before. It's always been just me and a microphone on stage telling jokes. But here I am with music and dancers. And it was an incredible experience that I am so grateful for that I had no idea was going to be a part of my journey. But I'm very grateful that it was. Uh, and so hopefully everybody just pushes pause on this show and goes and watch those. But uh, for people who, who don't know it, can you 
How do you describe that character from Mad TV? So Bong Kwikwi was a disgruntled fast food employee, and she basically would get fired from every job that she had because she just had an attitude, no filter. She would say whatever she wanted to say, and that would get her in trouble a lot. But that was also the thing that made her memorable, and she would say things that people would quote all the time. And so uh, Bong Kwikwi ends up getting a record deal, and she wants to be a rapper. And so she, she comes out with this rap album. And that's who Bong Kwikwi is. She's got an attitude, and she's got her own sense of style, her own fashion, and she's hilarious. Well, I, I think for me, like, if I just stayed in Canada my whole life, it still would have been entertaining. But because of my years in Southern California, just like even the mispronounced words like security. Oh, yeah, security. I mean, she's a hood chick. You know what I mean? Like she, she definitely grew up in the hood. She grew, she's from the neighborhood, and you know, she's gonna, she's gonna say words wrong, but with like full confidence that she's saying it correctly, and like that's what is so beautiful about her. And it's funny because when I remember when Cardi B first started becoming Cardi B, people would message me like, "Oh my gosh, it's like the real Bonquiqui," um, because she is just confident in whatever she's saying and even if she's saying something incorrectly she gonna say it confidently and like it was just that's who Bonquiqui is and and um she she has an essence about her that is actually admirable yeah uh so let's talk success on that one I mean I'm thinking like just YouTube isn't it like over like 65 million views so far or what's it up to do you know oh I don't know it's a lot though yeah. It's a lot. Okay. Uh, next. Uh, let's talk about movies, television. Um, what to, Was that something you'd always been shooting for, or, or uh, did that kind of come to you? Oh, yeah. I moved to Hollywood to be an actress. I never thought I was going to be doing stand-up comedy. That was a surprise to me. I thought I was going to be a dramatic actress. I said, I'm going to move to Hollywood. I'm going to play a rape victim on Law & Order SVU. Like, that was my dream. I was going to be this dramatic actress. And then I started telling jokes. And I I didn't even know I was funny. But um, I started telling jokes, and that's kind of what took off for me. So it's it's like I moved to Hollywood to be an actress, but stand-up took off. And so this whole time, I've been being a stand-up comedian, touring the world at the same time, kind of looking over my shoulder at Hollywood. Like, are you ready for me yet? Like, can I be an actress yet? More, more stand-up? Okay, I'll keep doing stand-up. That sounds good, you know? And I've had, I've had some successes in TV and film. Like, don't get me wrong. But in my mind, I thought that my gold mine, that my, where I would be flourishing, where my garden would be just bountiful, would be in film and television. And then maybe I would dabble in some of these other things. And then it turns out it's stand-up comedy. And then I'll dabble in some film and TV here and there. Yeah. So, um, you know, like just going through IMDb and seeing all the like fun movies you've been able to be in and like with such big actors and actresses, the Forrest Whitakers and all these people, um, which of those, which of those were you most excited to get? Oh, let's see. I would definitely say our family wedding because. I was such a fan of America Frere and Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty was my favorite show at the time. And um, when I booked the role of playing America's sister, that it was just 
incredible to me and uh, such a blessing. And then from there, I ended up after becoming friends with America and playing her sister that I got to guest star on Ugly Betty, which was I mean, again, to be a part of your favorite show, you know, like what what a blessing who who gets to do that? Um, so that was definitely very exciting for me and to work with Forrest Whitaker and Regina King um, on that film was incredible. And um, I've been able to, you know, work alongside some really lovely people. Um, James Gandolfini, before he passed away, uh, worked with him on Enough Said. And that was a beautiful experience. I remember, I don't really get um, starstruck very often. Like, I I have a mutual respect for people. And even a when people are just far greater than I am, I, I have a respect for them. But I rarely get starstruck where I'm just, I can't even compose myself. And for some reason, when I was on set with James Gandolfini, I got real quiet and real, like, kind of frozen. And he called me out on it one day, and he was like, you're a quiet one. And I was like, I'm actually not, but I just am around you for some reason. And then we laughed about it, and then he gave me a hug, and he kept calling me mama. Hey, mama. And and it just, like, lightened things up. And then after that, he was just so sweet. And I remember he came to my, my trailer one day uh, with his son. And he was like, hey, my son is a big fan of yours. Can he take a picture with you? And I was like, James Gandolfini is at my trailer asking me for a picture. Like, what is life? Um, so, yeah, there's definitely been some lovely experiences that I, with, with people that I look up to. Originally, going to be a pro snowboarder. And then I thought I'd be really responsible instead and go to art school. You know, have a real career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it switched from I want to draw the pictures on snowboards to I want to do the concept art for movies. And uh, I, I like was in figure drawing class one day listening to this book that my mentor had given me where he basically had, he'd been telling me like, hey, Jess, you realize if you become a wealthy enough entrepreneur, you can make movies about whatever you want instead of drawing for other people's movies. Right. And I'm in figure drawing class listening to this rich dad, poor dad book. And he's like, hey, if you want to. If you want to be safe, you want to be comfortable, you need a good education so you can get a good job, so you can have a good career. If you want to be like, if you want to really make it, that stuff's nice, but you really need guts. That's what you need. So I set my pencil down, called my fiance and said, hey, you want to get married during finals week? I'm dropping out again. <laughs> and to her credit, she said yes. But wow, um, yeah. and I believe, yes. But um, as, I, as I think about like my fascination with the movies and like, I didn't feel like I was going to make it into that world competing on talent. So I thought, let me figure out how to bring the money because you, all, you, can, you can be a part of almost anything when you can bring the money is, yeah. is my observation. Yeah. Right? Um, but I, I am constantly looking at things. So you look at James Gandolfini and, and such a known presence for The Sopranos. And then you look at what a lot of people see when they see that movie trailer. They see Elaine off of Seinfeld. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested... Observing that situation and, and just any thoughts you have, like how the director, how the actors kind of get past preconceptions and things to make something that stands on its own that, that could draw people, up, draw people in enough to not feel like they're watching The Sopranos or Seinfeld. Do you have any observations about that? I mean, I think it's probably different for 
each actor who comes into the project and knowing myself and I can really only speak for myself is I fought really hard to not be known as Bong Kui Kui and I knew that's what people wanted from me everywhere I went they wanted Bong Kui Kui and then I would get an opportunity to go audition for a movie and I'd be like oh this is great this is my time and I you know I'd be rehearsing the scenes and then I would get into the audition and then they'd be like can we try it one time like as your character that you do and they would always want I would be in a completely different situation where you know I I'm a manager at a restaurant I'm whatever and they're like let's try it one time as bone quickly and then next thing you know like that's that's what they wanted from me and I'm like I I really I can do other things, guys. Like I I promise you, I can. Add. And, Are you talking um, about when you're the like the hostess for Mom's Out? Uh, no, that that's also another one too. But no, there was actually an, another movie that I even Mom's recently was like two years ago, and Bong Quickly's from you know 2008, and it was like two years ago. I was auditioned for this very big movie. And I did not get it, but I was I was up for it. And I remember the director wanted me and fought for me. But, it, you know, in the end, it didn't work out. It was down to me and another, one other girl. And she ended up getting it. But in that audition is a Christmas movie. And in this movie, the, he wanted me to play, like, be this character that's, you know, woo, 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 all this attitude and stuff. And it was like, Real for the for the Christmas what okay I'll give it to you one time and then of course I do it and I'm I'm good at it because I it's my character I can do it and they're like laughing they're like yes let's try the next scene like that and I'm like oh please no like I so now it's kind of to the point where I have to kind of speak up and and anytime I'm in a room like that and they're like can we try like. And I can always tell when they're trying to go that way. Can we do it a little more sassy? Can we give it a little more, you know, like how how you do, you know, in this one video? And I have to be like, do is it necessary? Do you think the character really like? I I have to like have a conversation about it. And then usually they're like, which is oh. funny when you're looking for a job. I know, I know, but it's like, oh my gosh, I can't be more quickly for the rest of my life. So let's talk for one minute of you know. Being a, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think the Raiders have more tattoos on humans than any other football team, as far as I can tell. And my, uh, my, my brother-in-law from Northern California is proud of us fact. But um, l let's talk about, like, being a rookie of the year cheerleader, like, in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, for, for a lot of people, like, that was, that's, that's their, like, big accomplishment in life. What was yeah. that like? Uh, my family was so proud. That was like just she she made it. What is this? What is life? You know, and I actually auditioned for the Oakland Raiderettes cheerleading squad as a sign because I wanted to move to Hollywood. I wanted to be an actress, but I was scared and I was embarrassed to even say it out loud. Um, so I got invited to this audition and I said, you know, what? I'm going to go and I'm going to use it as my sign. And if I make the squad, I'm going to do it for one year and then I'm going to move to Hollywood and pursue my dreams to be an actress. But if I don't make the squad, I'm going to use this as my sign that this was not for me. The entertainment industry wasn't for me and I will go in a whole new direction. Um, 
And so I went and I auditioned and I made the squad and I kept my word to myself. I did it for one year. We went to the Super Bowl that year, came home from the Super Bowl. I packed up my bags and I moved to Hollywood and started from the ground up as an extra. But I remember when I was at the audition and they called my number because every every girl had a number that you were auditioning with. And when they called my number that I had made the squad, my first thought was not, I'm going to be an Oakland Raiders cheerleader. Oh my gosh. My first thought was, I'm going to be an actress. Like, that's what this means. Like, that's, <laughs> that's so great. And so the Raiders was an incredible experience. It taught me how to be a public figure. It taught me how to smile in a photo. It taught me how to engage with fans. It taught me how to sign an autograph. Uh, being a Raider, it taught me how to serve my community at charity events, how to um, be be a public figure, how to be a celebrity, even though, you know, we're just cheerleaders for the Raiders. But that was my first time experiencing people wanting something from me, wanting attention, wanting an autograph, wanting a photo, wanting to watch me just walk by. Like, I, that was my first time experiencing anything like that. And I really feel that it set me up for my career where I am today. Well, um, it's interesting to see your, your success in these multiple different realms when so many people would have been happy with success in any one of those, right? Yeah. Um, I'm interested, you know, we talked about this for a minute before we got started, but like, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between entrepreneurs who are doing something new like they're genuinely creating something that doesn't exist right they're not just opening another sure. chili's location or something i don't know okay. but, um special ops soldiers who like you know in those like the classified units we've had a bunch of guys on you know like everybody sees like the navy seal training right and like 80 percent of people don't make it through that but the classified unit the level up for the army guys 95 percent don't make it into that so arguably four times harder right and uh, you know, if instead of 20% of people make it, 5% make it, right? And what those guys talk a lot about is dealing with uncertainty. Like, it's not like just can you be yelled at enough and do enough push-ups? Like, they'll put 70-pound backpack on them and be like, okay, hike over this, here's a map, figure out how to get there. Uh, if you're not there on time, your entire dreams in life are over, um, but we're not going to tell you how long you've got. So go fast. Oh, my God. And it's like, you know, there, there's all these stories about guys falling in rivers, be, ending up on the wrong mountain and realizing they've got to get to the other mountain and still make time. And if their backpack is light, like if they took anything out, they get weighed, you're out. And, and they talk about the uncertainty being such a huge stress factor. And they're looking for guys that are just incredibly creative that can be in a country that's not supposed to be in, not wearing a uniform you know what I mean, taking care of business by themselves without any backup. They're like one of the only, you know, those are some of the only units where military folks go do singleton missions by themselves, no backup. Success is not necessarily like, you know, it's right. not a paint by numbers kind of thing, right? Um, I think about action sports. You know, these these guys are like, they're not doing ballet where there's the right way and the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, they're inventing the new trick off the 45 foot cliff mm -hmm. and Nobody can tell them how to do it. Nobody's done it before, right? Yeah. And even though there's like guidelines and there's like, this would be cool. If you just do what everybody else does, you're not going to stand out. Like that's, there's some guidelines, but there's not the rules, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, being an actress, certainly um, stand-up comedy, 
like I have spent quite a bit of time reading the stories of stand-up comedians and like getting advice. Hey, you are going to suck for two years. Like that's just the cost. And just you're going to get up there. It's going to be terrible. And that's okay because that's, that's what we all went through or stuff like this. And it's just like, it feels like just like a brutal meat grinder that you can't study enough for it. Like it's, it's meaningful repetitions and being willing to take the losses. And like, you know, skateboarding is mostly not landing a trick. That's what skateboarding is. It's yeah. going out and not landing. That's what's, um, yeah. So I'm wondering if you see it similar or different or if you have any thoughts on that idea. About their, the uncertainty in. Yeah. Dealing with uncertainty, having to work hard. When it's not like, it's not just, can you try hard enough? You actually have to figure out what you're trying hard enough at and like, what's your version of it? I feel like um, there's definitely uncertainty in the entertainment industry. And especially now with like social media being as big as it is and as powerful as it is, it's like you could have trained to be your your whole life, gone to all the prestigious schools, and then next thing you know, this studio is going to give a role to this TikToker instead. So this TikToker has never acted a day in their life, but they have 42 million followers. So they're going to go ahead and give it to this guy right here. It's like so much uncertainty. Every time I go out to an audition, if I have an audition for Detective Rodriguez for a new crime show, and I show up at this audition, there's going to be 15 other girls that look just like me. And we're probably all wearing the same thing, a blazer and jeans and some boots. And we're all being Detective Rodriguez, you know? And we're all gonna go into this room and say the same words that are written on this piece of paper for us. But the thing about uncertainty in every job, every avenue, that any space that you can be a part of is when you show up as yourself to the best of your ability, that's the one thing that you can be certain of is that there is no one else like you. There is no one who has your trauma. There's no one who has your childhood. There's no one who has your upbringing. There's no one who has your siblings. There's no one who has your relationship with your dad. There's no one who has all the things that make you you, that make your perspective yours, that make your creativity yours. Just like, you know, when that, you know, soldier is by himself in a foreign country and having to fend for himself, nobody has all the things that made him him to get to that point. Nobody has all the things that made me me to get to this audition in this room where I look like everyone else, but I'm going to go into this room with my essence my creativity, my uniqueness, who I am, and put that behind what I'm doing. So in this industry that is so uncertain and you never know what is going to happen, the one thing you can be certain of is that you are unique. You're the only one that's you. So show up for yourself to the best of your ability. And, and that's really all that you can control. I love that advice. And I think about entrepreneurs, we're constantly trying to get picked by the the giant corporation we're hoping signs a big contract or get picked by the investors so we can get the next money to get to the next level. And there's just, I mean, it's such do or die moments. Like, you know, you could be, we're going to be out of payroll on the weekend. Like if we don't get this, it's all, everybody's hopes and dreams, not just mine, like everybody else's salary here could be done too. You know, like yeah. there can be these high pressure things and we're like, 
you know, we want to be ourselves, but we also want to be what they're looking for. And there's, there's so many competing things. And then there's like the imposter syndrome of like wanting to look the part and wanting oh, to be yeah. taken seriously. And like the judgment of your own peers who are also the other CEOs. And there's like, there's, there's so much like image management. Like I think about it as like the cardboard cutout version of myself that I wish people believed in. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get all these like Boy Scout badges on it so that people will accept me, whatever. Yeah. And what I love about what you say is like, yes, we need to know our customers. Yes, we need to think about ourselves in service of them and what we're going to do for them. But like nobody buys a BMW for how much it's like a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'd buy the Mercedes. They pick it for the reasons it's different. It's because right. because they want to stick shift, because they want to drive it, you know, and they think the Mercedes the BMW is going to drive different. It's not like, and we're almost a Mercedes, so buy us, right? And yet I think about how many times I've gone into meetings trying to be the part, trying to trying to figure out what I think they want and hoping to be like, it's almost like my personal, my personal self-image is on the line too of like, not only will they be rejecting my product or my company, they're rejecting me as a human as well. And yeah. it feels like maybe there's some parallels there. Oh, definitely. There's times where like early on, I don't read my YouTube comments anymore. Um, I used to early on in my career and it was just devastating. But um, if somebody were to comment on a movie I was in, it didn't really affect me that much. It'd be like, well, whatever, it wasn't for you. But when people would comment on my jokes that I wrote about my life, about my family and they would have this opinion about something I created I wrote and it's about real people that I know and love and I'm offering it to the world and when they would criticize that that would really affect me and it would really get to me um, which is part of the reason why I don't read YouTube comments because they could just get really vile in <laughs> in their um but but yeah, there's that I, I forgot even what led me to that answer, what your original question was. Well, that's OK, because I want to know what does that look like for you to overcome that or to insulate yourself? Sounds like you don't read them uh, when you do come across them. How do you like how do you get back to being you? How do you get your game face back on? So um, it's evolved over the years. There were times where. I would hear a negative comment about a joke that I was doing. And um, I remember there's this one comment I got. I, I did a joke about my husband trying to use my toothbrush when we first got married. I was like, sir, I don't know how you grew up, but we don't share toothbrush. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it was just a whole thing about comparing. He was like, what? We kiss. It's the same thing. And I'm like, no, I do not scrape off your tartar with my tongue. That's how this works. Like, I cannot prevent cavities. I'm sorry. Um, And so I had this whole joke about my husband trying to use my toothbrush. And I remember reading a comment from someone that was like, seriously, a toothbrush joke? Like, how corny is this? It was something like that. And then for months after that, Every single time I would go to do that joke, I would hear that comment right before I started the joke. And the audience was laughing. They loved it. But every time right before I said it, so corny. And I would hear it in my head. And so that and that's years and and years ago. Now, 
I feel like I'm at a place in my life where I know that not everybody's going to like me and like my style, like my brand. They're not going to like my point of view. They're not going to like my voice. They're not going to like my mannerisms. They're they're not going to like things about me. And that's okay because I don't like everything about this music artist. I don't like everything about this comedian. I don't listen to this podcast. It doesn't do anything for me. I don't typically like Hallmark movies, but my husband loves Hallmark movies. But like that's his jam. So I get it. There's things that are not for me now. I'm not going to go online and tell everybody like, oh, my gosh, this is this sucks. And, you know, whatever. But that some people will and that's OK. So I've gotten to this place where I can I understand that I'm not for everybody. And there was this one day I, somebody had said something real hurtful. And I immediately went to a few other bigger named comedians and actors and looked up their comments or reviews and they had even worse stuff like i remember one day i went and i looked at kevin hart page and people were going in on how they hated kevin hart and and oh he's not even funny and blah 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 and i was like people think that about kevin hart but they do and then i remember going to you know fluffy's page and there was people saying negative things about fluffy and i was like everybody gets it like it's just it, i'm not special i'm not unique every artist gets it i remember i went to even kim kardashian's page afterwards somebody had said something not nice to me and i went to her comments and the first one that i saw was so vile to her that i don't i won't even repeat it but i was like one people out there hurting just out there trying to hurt other people but Ever since then, it really started to help me realize that I'm it's okay that you don't like me because there's somebody else who really does and I'm for them. So I'm going to keep writing and producing my material because it makes me happy and I know it makes certain people happy and and that's okay that I, I'm not for everybody. And that's a really hard, uh, hard point to get to. Like it takes a lot of work to get to an honest place of it's okay i'm not for everybody and that's okay took a lot of work together well, i think it's inspirational for the rest of us you know i don't think you have to be a public figure to have that lesson apply to the rest of our lives as well um you know i'm interested what question do you not get asked enough or what do you want to talk about that people don't bring up i don't know i love encouraging people I love um, sharing what I've learned and what I know with people in my own perspective and whether it be about faith or about the entertainment industry, about chasing your dreams, whatever it is, really. I really like to share my life of where I came from. And I guess that's why I wrote my book, too, is I I wanted to share how far I had come, where I had come from, what I had been through, so that my story could be a key that unlocks something in the people who are reading it, and that people would walk away from it going, oh, wow, maybe I can do this or that, or whatever it is. Um, so I, I definitely enjoy encouraging and helping people in any way that I can. 
let's talk about that. You know, people who maybe they see you're in movies with like Book of Life with Tatum Channing and, you know, the biggest names in Hollywood and, you know, six hour long specials. You, you've got these specials on Netflix and Hulu and and like really have have made it by objective standards of, of the rest of the world. And yet my guess is a lot of the encouragement comes from the times before that. Can you talk about, you know, let, let's say to entrepreneurs today or, or let's say to people who want to be uh, comedians or actresses and actors, um, what what lessons from early on before uh, before you knew you were going to be at this level? What lessons do you have from that experience? Um, one, it starts with dreaming. So you have to dream for yourself. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to start something, you want to build something, uh, it all starts with dreaming, right? Well, once you start dreaming, you got to be careful who you share that dream with because, like I said, it's not for everybody. And you'll get a lot of opinions, doubts, naysayers, um, people with really good intentions that just want to protect you. They just want to help you. And that's why they're saying this to you. But a lot of times their help and their protection mechanisms are something that can actually um, disable you and your momentum and keep you kind of stuck and stagnant and frozen because we, what we do sometimes is we have wisdom, right? And we're like, oh, I'm being wise. Maybe I shouldn't invest this money in this because I'm being wise. But sometimes wisdom is really fear and it's fear that's keeping us from Maybe I shouldn't invest this money because it's fear. But we're like, oh, no, it's wisdom. See, I have a wisdom face on. Like, I'm very, you know, I've, I've done the numbers and, you know, whatever. Um, so it's a constant battle of wisdom and fear and facing your fear and looking fear in the face and saying you can't have me and and keep going. Like, that's really hard to do because uh, you will always have something to be afraid of losing your investment, not being picked for, you know, this grant or whatever it may be. There's always something to fear. Um, but I, I feel like as long as we keep dreaming and speaking as a dreamer who has gone through seasons of dreaming because you get jaded, because you get hurt, because you get told no too many times, um, you kind of, your your dreams, the colors of your dreams start to fade a little bit. They're not as vibrant anymore. They're not as bold anymore. It's not as like, oh, I could do this, this, and this. I can make it look like this, this, and this. Now it becomes kind of like, well, good here. It's fine. This works. I could make this work. Maybe we could grow a little bit. Maybe we could get a bigger space. You know, your dreams start becoming a little more muted, a little more shallow. Um, but that's part of the journey. Part of the journey. You have those moments where you're sitting in like, mm, maybe I'll just stay right here. And then all of a sudden something happens and whatever inspires you all of a sudden lights that flame within you again. And you're like, oh, no, but it could be like this. And we could also do this. And then, oh, I remember this guy. Let me call him because he said he if I ever needed anything, blah, 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 blah. 
And then you start thinking of all those relationships and leveraging all those people that you've met over your life that you sowed good seeds into because you, you've been a good person, hopefully, you know, and you're sowing those good seeds and making those relationships and connections. And you start to leverage those in, in, in your dreams and hopefully it gets to happen for you. What's something that you tell yourself or what kind of routine do you have or are there any things that, that have been helpful for you? When it's like, oh, you've just been told no too many times. But then you start to realize, no, actually, I'm, I'm muting my dreams. No, actually, I'm, I'm living in fear and this isn't how I want to live. Or, do, you, do you have any things that's, that has helped you get over those times? Yeah. Uh, realignment. I got to constantly check in with myself where I'm at. Have I been making decisions lately out of fear? Have I been making decisions lately out of comfort? Have I been making decisions um, out of boldness? Have I been, you know, you start thinking about uh, the past few weeks of your life and you reevaluate, where have I been? Have I been exercising? Have I been keeping my space clean? Have I been operating out of chaos or operating out of alignment? If I've been operating out of chaos, let me pause. For a second, let me tune back in. Let me start exercising. Let me start eating more healthy food. Let me get some more greens and vegetables and less fried food. I know I've been busy and on the go, but you got to realign and get everything back in order. How much water have I been drinking? Water is so important. Have I been drinking water? All of that stuff. And it's so easy to get out of whack, out of alignment because we're busy, we're doing things, we're moving, we're going. And then you got to pause and be like, no, let me bring it back in. And then you start operating from this place here. That has been something that has helped me anytime I either get too busy or I'm running on fumes. I, I have to take some time to pause, do my journaling, my meditating, have my morning time, set my alarm a little bit earlier just so that I can take my time and not be rushed so that I can journal, sit with my coffee for a little while longer, sit with my thoughts for a little bit instead of just go, go, go. Um, it's definitely moments like that that help me realign. Hey, I don't want to forget, um, let's tell people about your website and, and book and concert tickets and social. Yeah. Where are the best places for people to find out about your stuff? So my website is Angela.com, A-N-J-E-L-A-H.com. And there you can find my book, which is called Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams. And you can also find tickets to my tour date. I just announced some some tour dates for January. So I'm coming to Salt Lake City, El Paso, San Jose, um, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. I'm closing off my tour in Los Angeles. So um, you can check out all the the information on my website, Angela.com. Well, uh, I really enjoyed our time here today. And I want to pay you a compliment that I think, you know, I'm, I'm so interested to watch you over the years and see like the way that you bring up faith, the way you bring up family. And it seems like in many ways, like you're recognized for like being wholesome, being funny being able to like navigate that world. And like, it seems like you haven't lost yourself where sometimes it feels like some folks in the entertainment industry start reading their own press clippings or they, they get maybe sucked up into that life. 
Um, what do you think that you've done differently to be able to kind of keep your values and, and to like um, kind of be an example for, for staying true? Thank you, first of all. Um, grew up with family and plenty of cousins, aunts, uncles, and that was what it was important to me growing up. And so as I started my career, I made sure to maintain that. And when I come home from the road, I rarely hang out at the comedy clubs around town. I, I would much rather spend time with my nieces and nephews and hang out with them, do game nights and things like that. So I think it helps when I'm I'm on the road and I'm on stage in front of thousands of people and doing meet and greets and people want my autograph and they want to take a picture with me. And then I come home to my niece and nephew who don't even understand what I do. I'm just Nina. and. I will sit with them and we'll have dinner and they're showing me their new dinosaurs. And I constantly uh, make time and room for family. And that's always been what's important for me. And I feel like that's what keeps me grounded. Um, maybe, a, maybe a final question here. You think about just how incredibly rough it is uh, where you have to make your own future in your business. And there's constant reasons. There's constant things telling you not to, that this is too hard, do something else. Um, what do you think, what do you think has helped you persevere when the times haven't been right? Like, why do you think you've been able to break the glass ceilings and, and be able to do things that uh, maybe others didn't think you could, or maybe at times you didn't think you could, or what? What do you think is different about you that you've got, you've reached such high levels when you've had to go up against the things that, let's face it, like 99% of others haven't been able to beat? I would say different things in different seasons. I think there were times when I would come into a situation very confident in myself and not needing the opportunity that was presented. And so I would come into a room with the confidence in my gifting and who I was and also an essence that was communicated that I'm grateful for this, but I don't need this. And there was something in that that was powerful. It's like the power of no. When you say no, then they want you more, you know? When you walk into an audition room, desperate, please give me this role, it's like off-putting. And when you walk in just confident in who you are, and I'm going to leave this right here for you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. It's it's different. They're like, this? Hold on. You know, I think there were seasons definitely where I would just walk in and like when I auditioned for Mad TV, I wasn't one of the actors that had trained in sketch comedy for years and went to the most prestigious, you know, sketch comedy schools, the Groundlings and UCB and, and all. I didn't go to any of these schools. I was just trying out for fun and was like, yeah, people said I was funny. Uh, I guess I'll try this, you know. And so I came in kind of like I had no pressure, you know, and I think that's something 
that set me apart. But then there have been seasons where I came in desperate and I came in with all the pressure and would hear the no. And I think that the things that kept me going in those moments, I think, are like my husband, who is my biggest cheerleader, who has so much faith in me and can, when my dreams are faded, he's dreaming in full color and he's helping me see the vision and he's like recasting it for me. Um, we have a really great partnership like that. So I think that's, that's something else that has kept me going in these moments. Okay. One last question. Um, when you think about, when you think about someone maybe earlier in your life who had an outsized influence on you, that, that was really just like that gift for you. Like for me, it's my mom's dad, my grandpa bridge. It's like, if I ever grow up, like that's who I'm hoping to be like eventually, Mm -hmm. you know? If you have someone like that in your life, can you tell us who who they are or or what it is that you admire about them? Sure. Um, my Thea Mary just passed away uh, two days ago. Oh, she I'm was, sorry to hear that. Thank you. We celebrate her life. She was 102 years old. Oh, wow. She had a long, extraordinary life. She was one of the original Rosie the Riveters uh, for our country. Um, she, with a third grade education, worked her way up from the factory in the Levi's company all the way up to management with her third grade education. She was spunky. She was tiny, but she could command a room. Um, she was wise. She was funny. Um, she never had any kids. She had a lot of God kids. But um, she never had any kids of her own. So she was everybody's aunt, everybody's Thea Mary. And um, she has some really incredible stories. And she was always somebody that I looked up to. And that was, you know, she was always very proud of me. And I remember, even though she didn't understand my industry and what I did, I would come home and I would tell her, you know, I'm doing this show and where are you going next? Like, oh, I'm I'm going to Ohio. And, you know, she was always like, are they paying you? And I'd be like, yes. She'd be like, OK, you make sure they pay you. <laughs> um, but uh, she was a very, very strong, smart, beautiful, sassy, funny woman who I looked up to. and. Uh, yeah, she's she's a legend. Ah, oh, what a great story. What a great what a great woman to want to be like. Yeah. Uh listen, this has been so great. Anything you want to leave people with? Just you can check out my website, my social media. I'm mostly active on Instagram and commenting with people on Instagram. Um thank you for listening, coming to my shows. If you've ever been to my show, check out my book. Um yeah, thank you for having me. No, this has been great. Bye, everyone.